0: These tools are for you to use. welcome to this is your afterlife conversations with artists and activists about death and life my name is dave marr i'm a comedian i live in chicago eight ish eight and a half years ago i survived a month-long coma and now I've got this podcast. That's that's the requirement. You gotta you gotta go through it. the podcast game. It's getting scarce now. They're being more discerning, so you gotta go through a coma. Uh, the The longer, the better. The longer ago, the better. Just so they know you're legit. So this is mine. This is your afterlife. And my guest this week is Neil Bardhan. Neil is a guy who I've met kind of through the podcast. In some ways, we have mutual friends. Uh, previous guest of the show, Sarah Natell, he knows through the improv scene in Philadelphia. He's a big Philly guy. Neil is a, is a man of the world, a man of sensory pleasures. You know, occasionally we have these episodes that are very heavy, that get very thinky, deep, abstract, intense. And I would say this Neil episode, this is more like a nice glass of iced tea you know the we had a we had a 70 degree day in chicago when i'm recording this and uh neil's neil's the 70 degree 70 degree day of the show uh just some nice pleasant conversation but we also do in his coma moment get to what makes him tuned in to these sorts of sensory experiences these the the desire to seek out pleasure and variety in the world in the life that he's got so i think you'll enjoy this conversation neil is the what what is it the executive director of broad street review he is the he is the director of applied storytelling for first person arts these media organizations he, he the applied storytelling is a good uh a, he's he's a hard guy to pin down. He's not just like oh, he's a musician. He's he's an ambient musician. He's a he's a weird jazz saxophone player. All all love to Patrick Shiroishi, by the way. Um, but uh, he's he's an applied storyteller. He does a lot of different stuff. He he brings the stuff into the business world. We got a freaking business guy over here. Very old guest of the show. Very close friend of mine, Zach Seward. Uh, you know the one time on the show that we really talked about crypto in a real way, did we that's just what he does i'm i'm really I'm really on one in this introduction anyway. Neil is fun, and I hope you enjoy the episode. You should sign up for his newsletter, which is equally delightful as he is as a person. If you enjoy this conversation, you will definitely enjoy neil's newsletter he a recent missive was a list of his top 10 sandwiches we do talk about sandwiches a lot in this episode so that's that's where we are i i feel like normally i i prepare guests i prepare conversations prepare the listeners for conversations this amount for the heavier conversations and this conversation isn't without heaviness but really i'm just like hey listen brace yourself cuz this one's going to be pleasant okay So that's what's happening. Anyway, Neil's uh, newsletter is good. His Instagram is good. All that information is in the show notes. And also in the show notes is a link to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Marr, where you can support the show if financially is a way that you're able and would like to. You can do that for $5 to become an Afterhead, $15 to become a Pigeon. Those Pigeons are Debo, Shuba Singh, John Lee... Susie Carroll, Fred Fidaua, uh, whoa, 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 Katie Llewellyn, and Kurt Chang. Okay, that's we're we we're, keep, we're keeping it in. You get you get their names read, and my memory of their names May challenge my memory. Become become a, a pigeon level patron. Any other way you can support support the show is also very much appreciated. Uh, appreciated by me, I appreciate it, and. So the ways you can do that, you can just tell people about the show. You can subscribe if you're not subscribed. You can review if you haven't reviewed, you can rate if you haven't rated. And I really just appreciate you being here. I appreciate you listening to This Is Your Afterlife. So without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Neil Bardhan. I grab your whip and take it back to town. When I'm in town, I treat it like you are a type of man. In my estimation, that ex- that 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 existed more commonly in a different time, a type of man who might call a walk a constitutional, <laughs> a a a a bon vivant of sorts,
1: a, a a flaneur, if you will. What is a flaneur? Oh, this is a term I, I learned in 2011 or 12 at a, at a museum okay. where um, I was in, I was either in the Netherlands or in Belgium. And this word kept showing up in the English copy around this exhibit. And I was like, okay. that is not an English word. And then I looked at it. Right. It is. I just hadn't learned it yet. Okay. <laughs> it turns out I don't know all the words of English yet. Um, <laughs> it's very like, I want to say 1920s word for guy who bops around and does interesting things. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, like, a, like a dandy,
0: a, like a someone who like is is um yeah yeah I mean you seem to pride yourself on like like sandwiches seem to be a good like eight percent of your personality conservatively. You know what I mean? And,
1: conservative like, estimate. Thank you. Yeah no to be
0: a to be a person who who is able to recommend a sandwich who has rankings. You know, these are the kinds of things where it's like like a good person to know when you visit a city to be like, oh talk to Neil he'll give you the rundown of the specific spot in the bookstore that where if you stand there you'll know that Thoreau stood in the same spot and there's a hidden book do you know what I mean oh yeah oh yeah um, okay yeah there's... an idler or lounger is flaneur
1: yeah uh, <laughs> that's um... a
0: it's a little more active my impression I'm a, yeah, I'm a more active
1: version of it right yeah yeah, but the core of it is like guy who's just kind of like poked his head into a couple things and knows what's up. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a like a a more f- fanciful, fun version of like a dilettante sort. Of. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So that 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 gels with your impression of yourself
1: completely. I've is never, that is that <laughs> is that scene?
0: I love it. Is is that an active choice, or have you always been that way? Do you think?
1: Um, I think it's it's partly an active choice. Um, and and some of that came out of, um. Transitioning careers about ten years ago now, some of that came out of just what did I want to experience in the world that was beyond what like my parents and you know others were going to point me to. Um, some of that, uh, some of the active choice was like I moved to Philadelphia ten years ago. I had a couple very close friends who already lived here, and I thought, well, these it's great to hang out with these uh, these cats, but I sh- I would also like to meet some other people. Mm -hmm. And that happened very rapidly. (laughs) I was like here for two weeks. I was like, oh, I have new friends. Good. Great. Great. Um, That's great. Yeah. Um, Something that happened uh, a long time ago now is my first full day of college. um, The setup is there were there were two moving days for my freshman class. Um, I moved in on, let's say, Thursday. uh, And then there was also the Friday of moving. But because I moved in on Thursday, there was literally nothing on my calendar for me to do Friday. And I thought, oh, no, I have nothing to do at college. What what now? And so I said, I think I just have to start meeting people. Oh, OK. Um, and so I literally just walked around other dorms and <laughs> like, I you know, I knew a couple people from who are friends of friends or uh, one of my good friends from from childhood was you know living two dorms away from me so i was like oh, i'll make my way over to katie's room and, and see what happens uh along the way but there are people who were you know 20 years out now who are like yeah i only know you because you randomly showed up in my room on movement day and introduced yourself and i was like wait
0: but why was that such a terrifying prospect to oh, you that you didn't have something to do in
1: college um one is uh, on the social ver- uh, aspect, it's the chance for rejection, right? What if, what if all of these people hate me and I've spent, you know, my first hours of college trying to make new friends and I've made zero, that's terrible. Uh, and the other part was like, I was used to having some structure to my day in high school. Right, 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 right. right. Okay. that's uh, and Without any structure, right. There wasn't even any orientation programming for me to go to. Right. What could I possibly fill my time with? That's really interesting. Yeah, this
0: is like the first, like the first truly free day of your whole life or something like that.
1: Yeah. You, you want to feel like. Of a your adult life. life. Yeah. That's yeah. That's like the day I became an adult is <laughs> you want to make friends? Go, go do it. But
0: that's a really like, I'm I'm really impressed that you were so active that that it didn't take you because you could have that day. A couple weeks later but you Mm -hmm. were immediately like uh, proactive about it
1: yeah it it felt like a way to stave off anxiety and all the other negative feelings around like what is what is going to happen to me over the next couple days weeks months years um i i cannot just sit and twiddle my thumbs in my room and and hope that somebody comes to me or start reading for a class like what yeah why not at least try something
0: The time has come for you to paint your
1: hell. All right. Uh, Gosh, it's a lot of car traffic. Okay. Um, Everybody is behaving very badly. Um, There's yelling that feels threatening, maybe towards me, maybe not. Um, It's just... I wish I had better words for this, but like, there's just a bad energy around constantly and no way of, um, addressing it. Right. There's nobody I can talk to. There's nobody, I, there's no resolution in front of me. Um, it's a, it's a traffic jam in every sense of the word.
0: Okay. Are you normally so avoidant of it, do you have like a noise thing, or a chaos thing, or a busyness,
1: like a sensitive system in that way? I, I wouldn't say I normally have it, but I, I have a threshold for it. Um, and the the older I get, the more I appreciate peace and quiet. Um, yeah, and and I I love living in a city. You know, I live in a South Philly neighborhood. There's there's parts of that, um, but the, like there's ebbs and flows to it too. And if it only Flows and never ebbs, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, Then, then things are out of whack. Right, the cycle has not gone through the way it should. Okay, right. Um, imagine um, some good comparisons to this these days. I feel for a lot of people in um, if you go to a, a shopping mall or a grocery store now, and it's more crowded than than you've liked it to be in the past couple of years, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Right. For sure. Or the reason that people shop on Thursday right. afternoon instead of Sunday night or whatever. And and why you have, you know, fewer people going to big concerts or other gatherings is So has this changed with the pandemic? I think so. I think so,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um Did it change also with like were you have you always been so
1: have such had such a distaste for cars and car culture or did philly start it or philly philly has been a part of it um i lived in the netherlands for a while which has a very big bike culture more so than car culture right and so um there i was pretty you know i was in a car there a handful of times a year right like i was in a taxi to the train station or you know a friend gave me a ride home from something um but there i got so used to just being able to bike and it felt very free um in in basically every sense of the word um and so now the idea of being which is and and this is not to say that i don't drive every day (laughs) uh, yeah 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 um but the times the times when i get to do the opposite right when i'm a pedestrian when i'm biking when i'm on a bus i'm reminded of how much i enjoy not driving in a city Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah the, and again, kind of like there's, there's so many flips to this, um, just came back from this family vacation where I drove all over Arizona and it was wonderful. Um, right. And yeah, there was traffic, but it's rural highway traffic and it's different than city grid and gridlock and the emotions and expectations around that. Totally. What makes this hellish more than just inconvenient to you? If there's no expectation that it lets up. Okay. Okay. If, if, if I, if this is just going to be forever for you. Yeah, that's hell.
0: Okay. Is eternity. Does, does a positive eternity give you hellish vibes as well? Like, I I guess we're into what do you hope happens when you die? Yeah. Does, does that, Does the idea of an eternity, I want to hear what you hope happens no matter what, Yeah, but does an eternity freak you out? I don't, I don't think
1: all eternities freak me out. Um, It's particularly in the, in the hellish one, it's the, the negative energy and, and the noise and the chaos around that, that feels bad, but like a, okay. A, a, you know, a, a lounging by the beach eating sandwiches, eternity Sign me up. You know, right? okay, okay. <laughs> so what do you hope happens when you die then? <laughs> Is that it? Is it lounging on the beach eating sandwiches? I, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, it's funny because I've been describing that as my dream job recently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> with with the addition of books. Um, sure. I, I love reading books. Uh, it feels like. Super goofy to say, but I not everybody does no um, yeah, and there's a distinct pleasure from reading a book either all the way through or you know trying a chapter here, trying a chapter of a different book, switching back to the
0: first one um, are you somewhat do you balance a lot of books? do you have a problem giving up
1: if you like do you feel obligated mm. to finish? Oh, I no longer feel obligated to finish no yeah. um i have i'm I'm like in the middle of ten books right now some of which I haven't picked up in a year. Right. Right. Um, but I I want, of all the ones that I would say I'm actively reading, I want to finish all of them. And I'm, I, I created within my book management system, also I'm apparently somebody who says book management system like it's a normal. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's that was my next
1: question. <laughs> um, you know, an abandoned pile, speaking of abandoned things. Mm. Um, because in, so I used to use Goodreads, uh, this is not really what your podcast is about. No, I, just, I love it. <laughs> I used to use Goodreads and I didn't have a good system, systematic way of saying I started reading this book and I didn't want to keep going with it. Okay. And Hey, Neil, don't bother restarting this or finishing it. Yeah. You know, flag as abandoned. Um, I switched to StoryGraph maybe a year ago at the recommendation of a friend who pointed out like all sorts of problems that exist with Goodreads in terms of uh, Amazon ownership, questionable um, right. practices about uh, uh, reviewing. Um, it was it was just enough to, for me to say, eh, yeah, I'll try something different um, for a while. And Storygraph made it just a little bit easier somehow for me to say, and here's my abandoned pile that I'll never bother to pick up again. So you log every book you read? Over the past... 10, 15 years or so. Yeah, I've tried to. Wow, did it port over from Goodreads then? Importantly, yes. Yeah, that was okay. Uh, okay, a process or so. Um, and and speaking of the uh, you know, the, the the pleasurable eternity is my list of books that I'd like to read that I keep there. First of all, I know that it's not exhaustive, right? I, I right. see dozens of mentions of books a day where I think, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I'll add that. I'm not gonna I'm just not gonna add them all. I'm gonna add the ones I'm likely to pick up.
0: Mm-hmm, um,
1: mm-hmm. and so I I have that set to go to whenever I want to shop for a book at uh, you know, a store that I've just found myself in. Or uh, a recommendation to somebody where I'm like, Oh, I was reading something about this recently. I have that set. Um and I know I'm never going to get through them all, and that's that's okay, and that's something I've <laughs> Had to have some thoughts of over the past couple of years uh, as I worked through my bookcases and reorganized them and think about how do I want to read? Is that an afterlife that you would – is that a practice
0: you would hope to continue in the afterlife? Is an endless book list or is part of it to be able to see real progress towards
1: narrowing it down? I think the endless is the good version. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: do you so do you have the because i tried to use letterboxd recently yeah and i i got hung up on like feeling like i had to go back and review every single movie i'd ever seen did you just set a date for yourself you're like as soon as i join that's when i'm starting forget when i was six and saw the goonies or something
1: pretty much um there have been a couple that i've Remembered along the way, like oh, that was important—an important book to me. I'm just going to go in and, and make a note to myself. Sure, um, sure, sure. That's that's one of them. Um, do you do reviews or is it just ratings? It's just ratings for me. Mm, yeah.
0: That's that's smart too because I think the pressure to like say something piquant—I don't even know if I'm using that word correctly—or clever or juicy—feels yeah. really perfectionist too.
1: Yeah, perfectionist should also look performative in a way like for for yep. whom am I doing this. You, I'm if I don't remember whether or not I enjoyed this book beyond my star rating and a couple tags.
0: Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Cuz I I guess cuz I kind of want to remember why I thought I didn't like something. Like mm-hmm. even now, even very recent movies, I'm finding myself being like like I hated the menu so much. Oh, yeah. And and I know it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen but but as I'm making the argument i'm I'm like I'm remembering the arguments more than I'm remembering the movie, and I feel the need to like have those data points like set in does that
1: make sense De- definitely definitely um and to that I say Dave who cares like how I mean how, how deep do you need to go on it
0: i' You know, Dave. Who cares is a great question for my whole life, Neil. And and if and if I took it, ri- if I took it a little to heart, I would be much happier. If I mm-hmm. took it a lot to heart, I would never make anything, and you would not have this podcast to enjoy. I so, I know on
1: some level you care, Neil. I care. I care. Right. Um, but do I need a paragraph from you explaining why you didn't like the menu, or will oh, us- this is a dissertation make- level thought go go create that make (laughs) start a new podcast series maybe i'll listen to it and maybe i'll send you notes dave
0: so the thing i want to know about the joy and the thing that makes keeping track of the books something you that that, Mm -hmm. that comes to your mind so quickly in in an afterlife scenario do you review these records and, and like call them to mind, what purpose do they serve beyond the moment of recording? Um,
1: They serve the. Oh, use the word perfection perfectionist recently. And I think of it as um, completist completionist, right? Sure. If I I want to read, this is a particular example, right? If I want to read everything David Sedaris has ever written. You know, he's actually at a point where I need to keep track of, have I I read that particular book?
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: And I I know, I can tell you right now, I have not read everything that he's ever written. However, there's some stuff that's hazy in my brain as to whether or not I've read it. And that's why having this list is very handy. Yeah. Okay. But would you, are you a rereader? Rarely. I have a couple things that I've reread for one reason or another. Um... I'm not somebody who goes back to like the same book every year or at particular times. Um, what comes to mind for this um, barrel fever by David Sedaris um, barrel fever and the mezzanine by Nicholson Baker were two of the first books that I remember like reading for pleasure and feeling like I was an adult reader. If that makes sense. I was introduced to them in a writing class, an essay writing class when I was 15 um yeah 15 um and i'd certainly read for pleasure before that point but this was access to material that was outside the formats that i'd seen before um outside mm. what i was going to just like stumble upon in my local bookstore and library um what my friends were reading and so I picked up these books and said, oh, reading can be very fun and writing can be super weird, it turns out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so because those books were formative and also because I think they're just straight up fun and funny, yeah, I can go reread those. Um, and they're not; they're also not heavy, right? I know people who love right. to reread heavy stuff. Congratulations. Um <laughs>
0: Because it feels if they're rereading heavy
1: stuff, it sometimes feels like they want congratulations. Exactly,
0: exactly. Um, Rereading light or rewatching light stuff—that's a comfort. That's a
1: that's a seasonal depression sort of situation. Exactly, exactly. I think the heaviest thing I've reread intentionally is Lolita, and that was just like oh, you know, read it when I was read it for the first time when I was like twenty, and then again, you know, five six years later, just to be like, okay, the world has changed. I have changed. Like what how do I perceive this now? Right. Right. Um, Yeah. Um, So
0: does, when you think about what happens when you die is our sensory pleasures, the first things that come to mind.
1: Yes, it turns out. Okay. (laughs) You think it would have, you think I would have prepared more for this podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. I love a, I love a, um, a casual preparation. I, I want you in, in an honest moment. Yeah. So okay. Any any other? Are there any other features of an afterlife or things that you? I don't know anything about your childhood or if you if you grew up or went through any religious phases or any. Do you oh, have yeah. any leftover that. baggage from any of that stuff?
1: You know, I was, I was like raised Presbyterian, um, mm. and I, and in some ways I couldn't tell you now what like that those explanations of the afterlife. Sure. Well, like like you know, obviously heaven. Okay, capitalized yeah. heaven. But um, if you ask me to put pen to paper and say what what did your church teach you, I got nothing right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so somewhere there is a very sad Sunday school teacher. Yeah. yeah. Um. Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Robinson and Mrs. Danforth, um, but there's two. Okay, yeah. Um, there were my like elementary school, um, Sunday school teachers. Um, yeah. No, it's, and I, I think that's part of what's confusing to me about kind of mainstream religion explanations of the afterlife. Is like I think there's different versions told to different people at different times, mm-hmm. right, like the same, the same church like specific church not just with not just a denomination might explain it to a 40-year-old differently than they do to a 4-year-old. Sure.
0: Yeah. Well, and culturally those those definitions change as well.
1: Mhm.
0: You mean like over over the decades of Yeah, over the decades, over the centuries even. Yeah, sure. yeah just e- even the the you know, I I see it more clearly in terms of like political perspectives, you know, mm-hmm. like thoughts on abortion or thoughts on whatever if those things shift so much or even the emphasis of them certainly the explanations of afterlife shift as well i mean i think there's an argument to be made i don't know enough about the original biblical languages but that like jesus didn't even refer to that all he was talking about was like a
1: state of mind on earth yeah 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 um, yeah, I, I you know I'm trying to square this now with what I kind of like believe and hope to be true currently, like for you know my my current life. so my my dad died two years ago, and oh man, yeah, there are moments where I'm like, oh, like he's present in some way here, okay, uh, And I'm trying to square that with like the lying on the beach eating sandwiches and reading. I don't think it's
0: to be like sure, sure.
1: different kind of activity. Um um and I don't have a great framework for that beyond him and like a couple other people in my life. Like right I don't I don't know how to uh extrapolate from them to the billions of people on this planet who've already who've died and may have a presence as well for their loved ones, right? Um yeah. yeah.
0: Does that, those feelings of, oh, he's, uh, those feelings of presence, do they feel, um, I mean, maybe it's not, It maybe it's hard to tell if they feel like they come from culture or if mm-hmm. they feel really deeply felt and authentic. Maybe it's both. I think
1: it's both. I think okay. like, culture can tell you like what to expect.
0: Right. That like, this feeling is love. This feeling is the presence of a loved one who's passed on, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But but you have had moments of just out of nowhere, oh, my dad's close by. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is there a pattern to what those things are? Uh, not that I've been able to discern yet. Okay. Yeah. But I, it still feels like early stages.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, And I, I don't tend to say this. Mm-hmm. I am obviously very sorry to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, But it feels a little pat. To say it in the midst of I, I someone so. explaining yeah. it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I prefer for it to be unspoken, but in case it in case I do need to speak it, I am really sorry to hear that. You're good. You're good. Thanks for saying that. Uh, and thanks for explaining it as well. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, here's what here's why here's why my consolation means so much more than anyone else's <laughs> consolation. Cause I've overthought why okay. I'm consoling someone. What about funeral planning?
1: I've gone through phases of this over the years. Um, I'm, I'm going to indirectly answer your question first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about that? Um, I ended up, it was like eight years ago now, on a first date. And like we're like partway through the f- first drink. And we were talking about our funeral plans like out of nowhere. And I revisited this later for like writing for like stand-up set material and i was like that's either the sign of a very good or a very bad first date sure sure totally (laughs) we've already gotten uh there there was not a second date um (laughs) but it was like what can you can you at least talk about like where you grew up first or right right right, right, right anything other than god that um i don't know i i want to have people who loved me see each other at something and feel joy that like they're, they're connected to each other through me. Um, Am I, I lean towards more like a party than a morning. Sure. And I lean towards like music that I loved. uh, And as, as a direct result of like stuff around my, my father's passing literally because we're having this conversation also, I'm like, Oh, maybe I should actually like write some of this down. Sure,
0: sure.
1: Well, we've got it on the record. So what, what songs do I want? Um in what order? Uh why don't I make a playlist for it? Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Um and there's something that I um <laughs> here's here's something goofy. Dave, do you subscribe to my newsletter? <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, great. I um, do.
1: Okay. So I recently wrote a newsletter uh issue where I talk about You know, uh, memorable sandwiches in my life, and one of them I mentioned is um, a sandwich I had at a funeral for my childhood friend Jeff's like grandparent. Um, Okay, and I think I think there's a food aspect as well to my funeral that I would like. That I don't necessarily need to lay out precise plans for, but again, I think I want people to gather and and hang out and like get to know each other, uh, especially if they haven't already had a chance to do that.
0: Yeah. Why not make them very specific food plants?
1: Because this is is so so absurd when I say it out loud. There might be seasonal considerations. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh my God. But
0: that just means that you can leave a plethora of plants right
1: i can say if peaches are in season (laughs) peach cobbler which i don't like but i love the idea of it showing up at my funeral for sure okay okay for god's sake don't worry about a peach cobbler um like this feels like too nitty-gritty almost i love it i think people would find that very
0: uh, those details are always what get people people would find that very charming
1: people would find that very oh this is so neil i guess i guess maybe i leave some like some obvious specific right so like egg you know, breakfast sandwiches, turkey sandwiches, and then kind of a choose your own adventure set of of things depending on. Sure. um, But
0: there would have to be things like, I don't, it doesn't sound like from my impression of you that you would be content with just saying have breakfast sandwiches. Certainly there are tenets of what makes a good breakfast sandwich to you that you would need to
1: lay out. No, 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 there there are those, but uh, I think part of the fun for everybody is (laughs) like, okay, we got to, I'm going to do one version. Sally's going to do another (laughs) version. Okay. Okay. Um, And, um, and specifically with breakfast sandwiches, part of my thing is like, yeah, I think there's a couple, you know, ideal breakfast sandwiches for me, but the pleasure is in having a new one, a different one and like trying it with somebody.
0: So what's your coma? a moment of transformation where before you're one version of yourself and after
1: you are another, I've been thinking about this question for a while. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I kind of have two answers. One of which I gave earlier about like that first day in college where I was like, mm. I just need to, I just need to meet people and find my, find my, my world. So there's, there's that. Um, the other thing that's a year and a half prior to that is um, I had a major health healthcare of my own. One when I was, 14, basically, and then again, when I was 16, my lung collapsed, my left lung collapsed several times. And so I ended up having lung surgery when I was a junior in high school. Wow. And, and, you know, there's some, some obvious, you know, kind of medical parallels, but like when you're that young, having surgery on a major organ is a really odd thing to wrap your head around while also trying to do your physics homework. Right. Right. What does that mean for a lung to collapse? Uh, great, great question. So what it means is that air has escaped into the cavity where there should not be air, right? There should be a vacuum surrounding your lung between the the mm. lung itself, the baggy lung, and the, the ribs. Um, okay. and so when air gets in there, the air is taking up space and the lung can no longer inflate. Ugh, what? Is that because there's like a hole in your lung or something? Yeah. It's like a blister. Oh! That's so crazy. Yeah, And so the a distinction to make is that some people have a collapsed lung because, like, they're in a car accident, right? And there's, like, a puncture. Okay. Sorry. Mine was spontaneous because something grew on my lung in a surprising way. At a bad surprising way, it turns out. And leaked some air out. Like cancer? Or, like, just a weird... Yeah. It's just it's, it's referred to as a bleb and it, they're just like, Oh, this. Whoa, is whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. it's a, <laughs> what?
1: Yeah. No, it's a, what is a bleb? That's a good Scrabble word for you. Um, it's, it's, I've only ever heard it in relation to the lung. So okay. It's on a lung that leaks air. That is
0: an absurd word to use for that. Mm-hmm. To explain to a 16 year old, Listen, we you got a bleb in there. We just got to mm. go fix this bleb. Yeah, That sounds made up. I've got pictures. <laughs> no, 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 no. I believe you. I'm just saying <laughs> that that whoever created the word
1: feels like a little prankster. Yeah. No, it definitely sounds like a a pseudo word.
0: Okay. So, di- how can you how can you not quantify, I guess qualify. How can you qualify how your brain or temperament changed in response to that doing homework while having major surgery situation.
1: It, it chilled me out in a way. Like I was, I think I was a, I was a high strung kid. I'm a differently high strung adult. And in between, um, I was like, okay, does it, does it matter if I get my physics homework done? Honestly, maybe not is how i felt some days um this is recently backed up by my discovering progress reports from my high school years okay in in my childhood basement i'm like oh i owed a lot of physics assignments ah it's because it was that semester right and why should i give a shit about my physics assignments yeah
0: did did you talk to people about did you talk to your parents about this or this something that just went
1: on in your mind no, I, I talked to my mom about this for sure, and my dad at points, I'm sure, and they were they were on the side of like just do your physics assignments. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like life goes on, man. Like you're, wow, they didn't exactly say you're gonna be fine, but they were like, you still have to do the thing. Wow, which is true, I guess, but it's I mean, true. It's true. And Jesus, like, though, you know, I've experienced other versions of this, you know, later in life, where it's like life life is going to be shitty and life is going to be weird and present all sorts of challenges at different times, but like certain things, certain things are still going to get done.
0: Yeah. I don't know mostly, if I would include most physics, of them aren't homework. physics homework. Yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. But, but it sounds like you came down on a different side than they did and mm-hmm. you were like, well, they're saying that, but honestly, who cares? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, aren't you a science guy? Like that seemed to serve you well. It didn't seem to slow you down at all.
1: Uh, I, I think I hit, that was, that was definitely a rough patch in my, uh, in my schooling. Um, But I think I recovered pretty well from it. Um, I think my physics teacher was none too pleased with my uh, repeated like slack, slack, slack makeup for it at the end, slack, slack slack makeup for it at the end. Sure. Um, But I, I think what it did is it shifted how I think about like relationships with people, right? Like I I had lovely friends who were very supportive, and um, I think I even, I knew even then that, like not everybody has that, okay, um, and that like some some people are going to understand very deeply, and some are not, and also like, I, mean, like I was still just a kid, right? Like, <laughs> um. I still had crushes and wanted to be popular and all those things. Um, But it, it made me appreciate like just enjoying things. Yeah. Yeah. Did you You feel enjoying things other than if I could enjoying things other than feeling a sense of accomplishment at like acing the physics test. Mm, Okay. Okay. I mean, that's a super,
0: important lesson. I feel like that was a lesson available to a lot of us in the pandemic, whether Mm -hmm. we took it to heart or not was the shift away from accomplishment. Um, You said you're differently um, high strung now. Is that, (laughs) did you revert to accomplishment based things or, or what's that? What is the
1: high strungness now? You know, I think, I mean, is it reverting or is it, still the same and just letting it be on the surface more right i'm still i'm still i was still raised by the same parents sure (laughs) you know um i still want to write well win capitalism um you know be the be the prettiest boy on the block and all these things um but like i i think aging And maturing, uh, which aren't always the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think they reveal like all the things one can be anxious about. Say more. I I think I agree, but I'm trying to understand. Um, When you're, when you're 16, you have a limited set of, set of things to like worry about. And when you're 40, it's a very different set. Okay. And being aware, but being aware of those things to worry about makes you worry about them less. No, no, no. No, it's just I, – now I can, like, distribute it differently. Okay. Okay. It makes you worry about the teenage ones less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Do you think that de-emphasis on – oh, well, one question I want to ask, was this life-threatening? Like, were you ever, like,
1: worried about that? Um, I think at times I was. I think. Okay. I think it just felt – I don't think there was ever a point where they were like, "Oh, you're five minutes from death," right? I wasn't. I w- it wasn't that level, but it was more the, "Oh, I'm about to have surgery on my lung," right? I think I come out through it, but like, there's always a chance. Sure, right? Um, and and on top of it, right? The physical sensation, um, certainly the first time, was so so painful. Like, the pain made it seem life-threatening, even if on paper it wasn't. Yeah. Right. Because when you're 14 years old and you think you're having a heart attack. What? Right, right,
0: right. And you had...
1: But you didn't get it fixed until two years later? All right. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not explaining the timeline well. So it, it collapsed several times. I had it, uh, pretty much immediate treatment several times. There was... uh so it's like happened once when I was 14 treatment, a couple hours later, again, when I was 16 treatment, a couple days later, because they're like, well, we have to prep you for surgery. You're going to be, you're going to be fine for the next couple days. Um, and then treatments different than surgery. Sorry. Uh, treatment meaning surgery, actually. in all these okay, okay. 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 Yeah. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> and then in October, when I was 16, I had, and they're like, okay, you're going to be okay for a while, but we need to do a major surgery on you in a couple months until then. Like you're, you're not going to go to gym class. Yeah. Uh, You gotta, you gotta just kind of take it easy. Uh, Let us know if the following things change for you. Jeez. Um, And some of it was, I don't know if it's like the, the doctors I was seeing or just like technology or just my, my body was growing and changing. Um, it could be the case that the, what they eventually did, my final surgery, it's possible that the underlying cause was there all along and they were just treating like the superficial things because they didn't know there was a deeper problem.
0: Gotcha. But since they treated the deeper problem, it sounds like no issues. Good, good to go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So do you think the thing that I was going to ask before I got derailed by the whole life or death stuff is, um, do you think this, we talked about you being a a flaneur, a a Mm. cosmopolitan man of of pleasures. Do you think that is related to the de-emphasis on achievement? In high school. Yeah.
1: Really? Oh, yeah. Um, I see it as like, oh, I want to listen to music that's new to me. I want to read those books even through eternity. I want to uh, explore new places, even if they're not like the, the biggest and flashiest. Like everything is everything and everyone is interesting to me.
0: That is the show. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Neil for coming on. Check out his links in the show notes. Check out my links in the show notes. Join the Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Dave Marr. Stay tuned for some exciting news. Uh, we've got the the full conversations of the show, as always, on the Patreon. We've also got an after show coming out soon, and some other audio announcements. So keep your ears peeled to this feed. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. You're human. Only human. And human beings, they do
1: miracles.